welcome to The Rundown, a blog and podcast initiative run by Harvard Undergraduate Capital Partners, otherwise known as HUCP. My name is Annika Hooperkar, and I am an undergraduate student at Harvard, as well as an analyst on the diligence team for HUCP. I'm very excited to be joined today by a fellow Harvard student who is also the co-founder of Ivera, a startup that is groundbreaking in the consumer biotech industry. Uh, so welcome to this incredible entrepreneur, Nabil. Uh, how are you today? Pretty good, pretty good. Awesome. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Of course. Uh, so I'm just going to provide a quick little description of Avira before we jump into a little Q&A. Uh, so Avira, uh, a truly vertically integrated telemedicine company that combines the best of virtual and at-home care. Their services are broken down into four key components. 24-7 chat that connects clients with their primary care provider team in minutes for advice on any health topic, on-demand video visits with a licensed clinician for advice, diagnosis, treatment, or referrals, at-home mobile care that encompasses in-person exams, testing, vaccination, or treatment administered by licensed mobile care nurses when convenient for you, as well as delivery of prescribed or over-the-counter medications right to your home or office. Uh, so, Nabil, if you could just tell us a little bit more about yourself and as well more in detail about your startup. Sure, yeah, totally. So, my name is Nabil, a sophomore living in Lowell House, concentrating in molecular biology and computer science. Um, so, yeah, so Avera, effectively, to build on that description, we it's a telemedicine company that combines the best of both virtual and in-person care. One of the things that Michael and I, Michael is one of the, one of the co-founders of Avera, um, al along with me, we, we pretty much discovered that, you know, telemedicine is great. It's been around for a while. There's been a lot of companies that, that have really perfected the whole ability to kind of text a doctor, text a care team on demand. But what's still broken is that a lot of primary care still requires individuals to kind of get up and actually go out and seek care. We imagine a future where, you know, care comes to you. And if you actually look back 100 to 100 years ago, this actually used to be the norm. Doctors used to do house calls. Individual, the, the idea of individuals having to go and actually go to a centralized location as, such as a hospital wasn't really a common thing. And we think that you know, returning back to something like that is better for the patient. I mean, we, we believe in a future where care comes to you as opposed to you going to seek care. And it all starts with primary care. So the vision behind Avera is, can we actually create a telemedicine solution that not only combines the best of digital online care, but also allows individuals to get treated right from the comfort of their own home via our mobile nurses. So digging into this a little bit, the way it works is users will be able to chat 24 seven with their primary care provider team, which consists of health coaches, registered nurses, nurse practitioners, as well as practicing physicians. Users will also be able to schedule um, same-day video appointments as well. So if you need to show the doctor something over video, um, we can handle that for you. But then the way that we go above and beyond these other companies is that if, if our team needs it necessary, we can actually dispatch somebody to the home so they can actually conduct an in-person visit. For example, lab tests can be done at home, blood draws can be done at home, vaccinations can be done at home. There's a whole host of things that people really don't need to be going into the clinic for that we can kind of replace in the home environment. And then we top all of that off by offering our own uh, prescription delivery service as well. So no more having to go to CVS or Walgreens, your medication comes right to your doorstep. Effectively, what we wanna do is we wanna deliver the full suite of primary care right from the comfort of your own home. So there should be no reason why you should be having to get up and actually go seek care unless it's for something more complex. That's awesome. That's a really great focus. I really, I think that's very interesting that, you know, back historically that used to be the norm and we sort of moved away from that. And um, I think it's great that you kind of want to circle us back to that idea. 
Um, so I guess a little bit more about you as an entrepreneur, what inspired you to become an entrepreneur? And um, I know you really talked about, about what motivated you to start this company, but I guess just yeah. characteristically, what kind of inspired you to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, that, that's actually a great question. So, I mean, if you, if you asked me like two years ago, like whether like entrepreneurship was something that I remotely wanted to do, I would be no way at all. I think I was dead <laughs> set on trying to become a doctor. I mean, my dad's a physician and I know medicine was always something in the family that, you know, just, I, I looked up to and something that I, that, I, that I aspired to do. You know, I stumbled across entrepreneurship. I, 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 was, I got the chance to work at 23andMe as a member of their research team. And, you know, ever since then, I've been kind of being put into the Petri dish of, of Silicon Valley. Um, it was very, very interesting, you know, where it's like the, I, I never knew that, you know, private entities, businesses could have such a profound impact on people's lives, you know, even, even startup companies, right? I mean, you don't have to be Amazon, you don't have to be Apple to really actually make a difference in this world. And, and, and it really struck me as quite interesting where, you know, you can actually change the way the future looks. You can actually shape the future yourself just by sitting down and actually creating something yourself. So I thought that was incredibly enticing. And, and Michael and I just got right to the drawing board. And, and so actually um, there was this like Forbes article that was published about us, like I think a couple months ago, it was about our old, our, our original business idea. So like Avera 1.0, like over, over a year ago. And effectively what that was, so I started it while I was at 23andMe. Um, effectively, we had discovered a new way to actually be able to preserve stem cells um, in people's urine samples. So the whole idea was, you know, your cells are getting older, your body is getting older pretty much every second, every minute. Um, and your cells are getting older with that. And there's this whole bundle of therapies that are going to be there within the next five to 10 years. But you want to be able to prepare um, for that TBD future. So the whole pitch behind Avera 1.0 was if you could save your youngest stem cells, that could actually be an asset for you later on in life. Um, so we created this kit where we would ship it to people's houses, they would pee in the cup, and then they would send it back over to our lab over at Harvard, where we would be able to isolate their stem cells and cryopreserve them um, for, for future therapeutic use. You know, so starting, starting that company was great. I mean, it ultimately didn't work out in the end. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we learned was, you know, you really have, before you actually get a kind of put hammer to nail, you have to really figure out what the market actually wants. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that a lot of people, especially um, at Harvard or at the Ivy League, um, really have. I mean, there's great engineers, there is great technical talent around the Boston area. But I think when it comes down to entrepreneurship, what matters most is being able to find a problem first. It's, it's not finding this cool technology and then figuring out what to apply it to. It really is finding the problem first and then letting the solution naturally appear. So we've kind of taken that approach with this new incantation of Avera and we're, we're pleasantly surprised as to how it's going. Awesome, okay, yeah, that was, that actually led into one of my next questions was how has the mission and purpose of your company evolved over time? So that's, that's really great. And um, I guess just in layman terms, can you just super quick describe what stem cells are and why they're useful just for just for yeah. everyone to know. <laughs> totally, totally. So even though that other uh, business idea is 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 no longer there, we we totally believe in the whole in the whole future mission. So I'm happy to I'm happy to to go into that. So I find what what stem cells are is they're a type of cell in the human body that has amazing potential to regenerate tissues, even whole organs. So you can imagine a system. But let's think of Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease, for example. Stem cells right now are actually being used to potentially treat those illnesses by actually getting a type of cell in the human body, converting it into a stem cell-like state that can then be differentiated or transformed into a brain cell. 
And then that specific type of cell or neuron or brain cell, et cetera, can then actually be inserted into that individual to help regrow uh, and uh, uh, kind of repair a lot of the damage that was done. So stem cells right now, they're being used to treat a lot of different ailment, ailments. For, for example, after, after a heart attack, after a kind of cardiovascular disease, how do you regenerate heart tissue? People are using stem cells to do that. How do you regenerate brain tissue? How do you regenerate brain cells? Stem cells are being used to do that as well. I think um, there was one, I think we've, we've been really looking into this, uh, uh, to this one specific study that actually utilized stem cells to completely regrow the human epidermis, so the skin of an individual. Um, there was some specific disease that leaves infants and young children um, kind of severely uh, uh, kind of at risk for developing a lot of skin lesions and skin disease. Um, and stem cells were actually utilized to effectively create an entire graft for that individual's body and regrow um, basically the, the, the entire skin and epidermis of that individual. So, um, and Harvard actually is a great place. If you wanna do anything stem cells, um, Harvard is, honestly, it might be one of the best institutions in the entire world. Um, the Harvard Stem Cell Institute is great. You've got great professors that are doing groundbreaking research. Yes, I, I would like to piggyback off of that. We have several like bioconcentrators. We have regenerative bio. We have, we have, it's incredible. So I absolutely agree with that. Um, so I guess kind of moving forward now for your company. So you were talking about the more stem cell focus, but now here's the telemedicine mm -hmm. company. So what do you think the future is going to offer um, for both you as an entrepreneur and as well as the, your direction for your company. Sure, sure, absolutely. You know, so if it, if it was up to me, we would still be doing stem cell banking. We would still be doing whole genome sequencing. We would look at the microbiome. We would look at the proteome. We would look at all of these different kind of complex scientific things that people are using right now to effectively treat and kind of prevent disease before it even happens. The number one problem with that is these things are very, very expensive. So Michael and I have basically taken an approach where, you know, what can we bite off today to prepare ourselves for a future in which all of these revolutionary uh, kind of omics and kind of medicine related um, products are actually there. So what we've done right now is instead of trying to innovate on a scientific side, for example, create, let's say a new way to look at the genome or a new way to look at the cell, we can save all that for later. We wanna solve the core issue first, and that is care delivery. So the model that we've taken with Avera is, we understand in the future, all these revolutionary scientific things will, will be there, but they will require a radically different way of how patients interact with the healthcare system in order for these things to actually kick in. So Avera, what we're, what we're doing right now is effectively a way to prepare for that kind of exponential future. Um, so being able to create a new care delivery model where the care is actually coming to you, it's basically all powered through a mobile app on your phone and you can get access to your care team on demand, whether that be in person or, uh, or, or, or via a telemedicine solution, that will lay the groundwork for a lot of interesting scientific developments as well. So it's, it's basically like what, what we're doing right now is figuring out what the market is ready for. The market is not ready for all of these very complex scientific things that I guess I'm interested in or were, was interested in before. So, it, it, so I think that kind of goes back to my, my, mother, my other point here where, you know, you have to find market fit first, you know? Um, and if you find that, you can screw up, you can fall down as many times as you want. It won't matter. If you have market fit, if this is something the market actually wants, you will succeed as a company. You will succeed as an entrepreneur. Failure literally does not, does not matter. So Michael and I are, are still in, hopefully in pursuit of that. And hopefully we think that we may have landed on something at least close to that. So uh, we're, uh, we're pretty excited. That's awesome. That's great. So um, so, so far we've talked about, you know, like the past, the present, the future, kind of this lifeline of the company and um, kind of wrapped in that you were giving some advice, to, uh, uh, I guess you're 
your previous self when you were 18, like what you would have told yourself about yeah. being an entrepreneur. Um, and I guess to other entrepreneurs or people who are thinking about it, um, you started talking about advice. Do you have anything, any other pieces of advice that you'd want to give to aspiring entrepreneurs? Oh, totally, totally. I think that, I think there's a couple of things. I can just rattle off stuff that's, yeah, that's coming to mind sure. now. Um, I think number one thing, this is kind of controversial a little bit, is, you know, technical skills, they are great. But when it comes down to being an entrepreneur, at least from, from what I've seen right now, is you got to know how to sell. Sell, sell, sell. That is one of the best things that you can have as an entrepreneur. Like, like, like I said, at Harvard, MIT, Boston area, Ivy League, Stanford, all of these, all of these top schools, the technical talent is abundant. Everybody knows how to code and they're all Mark Zuckerberg, right? right. But what really, sets the, what really sets the technical people um, kind, of, uh, uh, kind of separates them from like the actual entrepreneurs that you read about is how do you sell? Not only sell yourself, but also how do you sell your company? How do you sell your vision? And it's not just selling it to investors like you guys, like, like HUCP, I'm, I'm, I'm sure as, as familiarity with that, but it's selling your, it's selling your vision to co-founders, potential employees, potential advisors, potential companies, potential customers, you know, selling is pretty much in the lifeblood of an entrepreneur. And, you know, people are getting soft these days. They're getting a little shy. They're not willing to pick up the phone and just start dialing, you know? So if there's a number one thing that I would recommend is, you know, yes, make sure to watch all those CS50 videos and learn how to code for sure, hands down, but also, you know, learn how to sell, pick up a sales book, cold call individuals, you know, I think the number one thing of an entrepreneur, especially at, especially at, at Harvard, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of people at Harvard, you know, they're very, very smart, but when it comes down to actually getting doors closed in their face, it's not something that they're used to, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure maybe you've experienced this or, or other people, but I mean, to get to Harvard, it's, you just, it's, it's very like, you, you just can't mess up. I mean, that's how you get into Harvard, right? Um, but as an entrepreneur, it's completely the opposite way. Like you want to mess up as much as possible. That is how you learn. So it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of frame shift that, that, is, that pretty smart people, they find it a little bit difficult to kind of wrap their brains around a little bit. So I think the number one thing, I this, the TLDR is, you know, if you want to get into entrepreneurship, try to sell, 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 literally sell anything. Um, pick up the phone, start dialing, go door to door, just get as many doors closed in your face and you will become a better salesperson and a better entrepreneur. That's great advice. I think that's that's so interesting, the, the concept of a frame shift. I definitely felt, um, I did research in high school and I had to invent um, an, an iOS app and a board game to do my research. And I definitely felt it was a lot of the door being closed in your face and really needing to try, pursue several avenues to make things work. So I absolutely, definitely can agree with that. Um, it's a very interesting shift in, in the mindset of being okay with failing and knowing that that's part of the process. So I agree. Yeah, um, totally. and, um, oh yeah, go ahead. No, sure. So I think the, the other, the other piece of advice that I would give is, you know, as an undergrad, not everybody is going to be Mark Zuckerberg and not everybody should be the next, the next Facebook, you know, where, you know, as an undergrad, don't think about forming businesses as kind of a way to make money. You know, as an undergrad, you're there to learn. You're at Harvard, the, one of the best institutions in the world. If, if I would recommend the one thing that individuals do, if you have a side project, pursue it. If, if you want, if you have a couple hours free on a weekend, go hack on that thing that you've been dying to do for the last couple of weeks. That is the only way that you will truly learn. And once you've hacked those things, try to get them into the hands of as many people as possible. I think um, for a lot of people that know me, especially that I think the people that were in, uh, that were in there this, this year, I mean, every weekend I was just hacking on something else, trying to kind of 
put out something else. I mean, um, sure, I was working on Avera, but there was just so many ideas in my mind that I wanted to kind of get out there in the world. And 99% of them totally failed. It was totally stupid. But you know, like I will, I, will, I, I do not regret, uh, I guess, spending all that time doing all those interesting things. I mean, because that's how you right. learn. I think the, 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 the trait that I, that, that I see that's, in, that's really interesting for an entrepreneur, um, that Harvard really gives you the opportunity to do incredibly well is really to have a lot of breadth of knowledge, you know? Where yes, it's it's great to kind of be an expert in one specific thing, but you know, as an entrepreneur, it's all about the interdisciplinary, and that's how the best ideas kind of come to mind. It's combining multiple things from different fields that nobody thought was even remotely possible before. So I think, if, I mean, if you're if you're at Harvard right now, if you're listening at Harvard, any top institution, any college, you know, the one thing that I do is become a generalist, but specify in one field but but the number one thing is try to learn as much as possible as about of, of as many different things as possible as well i think that will give you an edge um um in order to be a successful entrepreneur awesome um so i guess kind of shifting into some more uh just kind of fun um quirky questions so who in the entrepreneurial world is your role model and why Oh wow! Okay, that's uh, let me let me let me think of that question a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. You know what? So my role model—he's actually—he's actually a he's actually a, a, a Harvard alum. There's this guy named Tony Shea. So he's the 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 founder and CEO of a company called Zappos, which is a small company that sells online shoes that you may that yes. you think you may have heard of. Absolutely, um, I love Zappos. <laughs> so I think the the number one thing that with with Tony Shea is a lot of people don't understand at least when you when you're 20 years old about something called company culture you know that is something that michael and i are learning literally on the job every day of how important it is but being able to establish a great company culture where not only the employees but you as co-founders want to work that is incredibly important and i think tony really understands that so as kind of founder and ceo of zappos if you kind of just look up zappos customer call center it's crazy. It almost looks like there's like a party at work every day. But, you know, the number one thing that the employees say is they actually want to come to work every day. And the people that they hang out with are the people that they actually work with, which is very rare when it comes down to actually uh, kind of being an employee or being at an organization. I think Tony really understands that, understands that really well. Um, the, also, the, the, the other thing is, you know, Tony's a hustler, you know, he, he, he grinds and that, that inspires us uh, a lot as well. So I think there's a story like when, when he was in a, um, when he was an undergrad at college, he used to run the grill. Supposedly, he like he bought out, I think a grill. I think I believe it was in Quincy House, and he used to like sell pizzas, make pizzas, like make a ton of money. Um, and then one of his best friends, um, his name was Alfred Lin, so he used to buy like a pizza or two every night. And Tony always also like used to always wonder where it's like, you know, this guy's eating so much pizza every night. But it, it turns out that like two years later, um, he found out that Alfred was actually taking the whole pizzas and then selling it by the slice uh, to, uh, to, to other undergrads and making a profit there. And it turns out that Alfred now became the CFO of Zappos and is now a very, very successful investor um, at Sequoia. So the story to take away from that is, you know, be nice, but also make as many friends as possible because you never know. Down the line, those friends may be co-founders. Those friends uh, may be employees, employers. Um, they may found the next big thing. I mean, you're at Harvard for a reason. I would definitely use it. Yes, definitely. That's a, that's a really funny anecdote. That's, that's awesome <laughs> about the selling pizza. Um, let's see. Uh, I guess thinking more about people you admire or just people you'd love to talk to. This is a classic question, but if you could have dinner with any three people um, living um, or dead, who would it be and why? And this doesn't have to be about entrepreneurability, just, you know, just any three people that you would love to just have dinner with. 
Yeah, true. Okay, that is an that is that is a very interesting question. Um, huh. Let's see. Actually, so I think number one. Um, this may be like a the, the most bandwagon answer ever, but I have to put Steve Jobs there. Um, <laughs> of course. Two, an interest an interesting one. I would put Elizabeth Holmes, the the Theranos the Theranos founder. Um, I would love I would love to just pick her brain about a bunch of a bunch of things. Um, number three. Let's see. Um, Number three, I have I have to say Elon Musk. I know there's that, that this, this is probably the most like canned answer ever, but you know, there's there's a lot to be learned from from those individuals. Where I mean, Steve Jobs, creative genius, but also one of the CEOs that had a very good sense of product. I think you know, you don't really find that too often. Where people always think like the CEO is the guy that went to Wharton, he has the MBA, he's dressed in the nice suit, and he's like looking over the financials. But you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be a CEO in the Valley or or, or any or anywhere. It's you got to know the product inside and out, and honestly, that's what Steve and, and Elon really have in common. I think that I, I watch a bunch of these YouTube videos. I waste a bunch. Of, Michael gets mad at me, but uh, I waste a bunch of time on YouTube. But if you ever watch a video of Elon Musk, he knows everything about that rocket. I mean, he doesn't have a PhD in whatever astrophysics or, or anything like that, but he's the CEO of the company, and he knows everything down to where everything should be screwed in. And you don't really see that too often. But the people that which you see it, they are they are ridiculously successful, and their companies are ridiculously successful. So I think, um, I think the, the the number one reason why I would want to get uh, dinner with these people would be, you know, understand how they think about product, and why and how they're able to kind of understand um, the complexities of their product as their company grows. I think that's incredibly important. Awesome. Um, this is kind of a philosophical loaded question, but um, for what in life are you most grateful for? Yeah, so I think um, in, in life, you know, the, the, the for, I think for me personally, as I think Michael may, may, may echo this as well, is the ability for us to actually have a shot at doing this, I think we have to be incredibly grateful for. I know there's a lot of individuals in the world that have a lot of great ideas, but a, maybe it just doesn't, maybe doesn't sit right financially or just like maybe, maybe their family situation doesn't make it possible for them to actually pursue their dreams, you know? And for us, we're given that we're really given like a rare opportunity for to actually take a chance and actually potentially make something really great. And I think I'm incredibly grateful um, for that opportunity. And then lastly, what would constitute your perfect day? What would constitute my perfect, wow, okay. Um, so I think getting up early, let's see. So uh, we try to get up at around 8 a.m. Uh, we go into the office, um, try to get there about like 8.40, 9, 9 a.m., have a couple meetings. Um, but also I think for me, it's just sitting down and just grinding on tasks where we use a sauna as well as a whiteboard to kind of help us keep, keep, keep up with stuff. But if we can just pretty much tick off everything to do on our to-do list, which I'll be honest is very rare, we are bad at setting goals. I think that's something that we're trying to trying to get better at. But uh, if there's a day in which we can actually check off everything um, on our to do list, and when we go when we go to sleep, there's no lingering tasks. That that is a that is a great day. That's definitely a good feeling. Yes. Um, and then, sorry, I know I said last question, but I just thought of a few other things. I got time, so it's not. Um, not great. So I guess just about your company. What is your favorite aspect of Avera? Favorite aspect about Avera. Okay, I think. I think for us is, you know, Avera is in the healthcare space. We're actually impacting people's lives. This is not another social network. This is not a dog walking app. This is not like a ride hailing app. <laughs> like we are, we are, like our mission really is to extend the health span of 
millions and millions of people all over the world. And I think that there, that is a very noble cause. And I think for us, healthcare is something that is not the easiest thing to do. You know, there's a lot of regulation. There's a lot of things people need to see before they sign that contract. So honestly, I mean, we've run into a lot of roadblocks. We've had a lot of doors closed on us. And, you know, I'll be honest, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to keep going. It's, it's hard to persevere when, you know, you've, you've reached out to like a thousand individuals and like, five of them want to want to meet with you and like 900 are saying get lost you know There's, so it, it it's hard sometimes but i think for us the most interesting thing about avera and the thing that keeps us going is you know at the end of the day it it really is about not consumers but consumers as actual patients and how our solution may be able to help them live better and healthier lives i think there is there is no greater mission than that and um it's incredibly motivating for us great thank you thank you so much for sharing you know like about your startup and just your passion for this. I think it's it's infectious. And I hope that everyone who's listening, whether you're at Harvard or elsewhere, can really learn from this and um, really don't be afraid to pursue your dreams. Uh, I think this is really awesome. So thank you so much, Nabil. Um, and yeah. thanks to everyone tuning in um, for this rundown podcast. And um, we'll see you next time.